Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, McKenzie at the bottom, Stubbins above her, Schlanger in six, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Queen start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. For short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together, pick that one. Bloomer, in fact, ahead of Manuel and Hirsch Amenya. What a shot, Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come at her. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes! victory. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shannon Rollison podcast for another week. Um, we've got Mr. Shannon Rollison himself with us once again. Shannon, I'll get to where he actually is in a minute. He's at his house, but he's, he's in a bit of a different location to where he's normally sitting. Um, mate, how are you? Yeah, good, Robbie. How's your week been? Yeah, it's been good. Uh, busy as always. And firstly, I just want to apologise to the listeners. If you do hear any loud noises, there's all things going on at my house today. We've got work in terms of for the off the block swimming academy going on and phone calls being made my wife has decided to put on the dishwasher right behind me and um, there's dogs barking in the unit next to us shannon and then the the guy who looks after our unit blocks decided to mow the lawn and whippersnip right now literally right now so um i do apologize to anyone if you can hear any of that and if anyone wants to spring for off the blocks um studio so we don't have to worry about any outside noise uh that'd be most helpful but until such time uh yeah it's it's off the block studios is my lounge room but um mate now i wanted to get to what you're doing so for everyone normally shannon's just sitting in his sort of office area um but today he, he's in a different location shannon where are you in the house today i'm in the kitchen can you hear me all right yeah, yeah, no, I can hear, I can hear. So, what? So, this is a, a weekly ritual. What do you do on a Thursday for the for the family? Uh, I cook spaghetti. Okay. So it hasn't always been this way. So you know, <laughs> I've uh, I've branched out. Um, <laughs> how many years have I been married? About twenty five years or something. So finally, in the twenty fourth year. I've uh, been doing it for uh, probably a year now. Okay. So, yeah. And it's obviously a winner. You're obviously, you're not bad at it. Anything else putting in enough uh, effort, you know. Oh, so. yeah. well, that's true. <laughs> 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 oh, that's thought, true. Hey, I think I can do a better job here. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, people. There's nothing Shannon can't do. He's doing a podcast today whilst cooking spaghetti uh, in the kitchen. So. Um, if you know, as also with just with Shannon's noise, obviously with his microphone, it's a little bit softer than normal, but that's all good. That's because he's, as I said, he's he's cooking, he's he's in the kitchen, he's multitasking. Well, there's plenty of things I can't do. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, that's for another podcast. We'll we'll go through that list. We'll have to get we'll get your family on for that one too. I'm sure they'll be able to help us out. <laughs> Uh, mate, how's your week been? Obviously, uh, for anyone who, you know, is sort of dabbling in this podcast, Shannon obviously uh, is the head coach of the uh, ACT Hub. 
down at the AIS. How's, how's your week been there? Yeah, it's, it's been good. Um, the first five weeks of this year, as I said last week, uh, we were, we've been pretty busy with visiting athletes and programs and stuff, and it's been good. And we were really sort of um, doing a, a polarised five-week training block. But uh, last week and this week, we've we've starting to step it up, um, preparing for April, and um, the guys are going really good. Uh, put in some good work last night. We had a hard set, and um, and also this week we've had the the um, next generation male sprint groups been in with Brant Best and uh, uh, Drew McGregor been running that with Lee Nugent. Uh, so that's been good, been good too. I, I'm not in, involved like I was with the female sprinters, but I'm just been observing and stuff like that. So, yeah. That'd be a bit of fun with, with all the boys there and obviously bringing the sprinters in. That'd be a bit of a spice for the week, mate. Change it up. Yeah, it's just good to see um, the next crop coming through and obviously, you know, if you can make some changes sooner rather than later in areas that they need, whether it be starts, turns or technical. So soon is always better than later. Anyone catching your eye there? Anyone, anything you're looking at in the in the talent pool there that you're thinking, maybe not this year, but it, obviously next well, generation we're, we're talking about? Yeah, look, they, they all look pretty good. They're, they've got a bit of size about them, so they certainly, you know, um, from that point of view, it looks good. Um, but, but yeah, so they all look reasonably good for their age. Um, probably the only thing they've got to work on is that sort of their slow swimming speed technique, you know, mm. but not too dissimilar to the girls uh, back in September last year. So, um, and that's just a bit of maturation, a bit of maturity, Um that goes with age, age swimming. So, yeah. yeah, I'm glad you said that. I remember when I brought my guys down, that was something you picked up on and mentioned to all of my squad. And they've certainly brought that back to our training as well, that um, it's good to look good when you're going fast, but you want to be able to swim well and, and look technically efficient uh, in the water when you're going nice and easy and just sitting in those low aerobic um, cycles. So no, I'm glad you said that, mate. Now, Getting on to obviously what you mentioned there with nationals, and I do want to touch on that just for all the coaches out there, just so we can get some advice moving forward. Uh, we're not landing the plane yet for all the listeners who remember our landing the plane episode, and they keep reminding me every time that I crashed my plane. So I like that. It's always good. I'm really, <laughs> I wish we never did that episode ever. ever. It's one of my regrets of an episode. Like I loved it, but you know. Just the shit I get for it is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but you know, obviously uh, we're, we're still in the air in terms of plane mode, but um, we're probably not far away from looking at coming down. So I want to touch on that in just a second. But something else that happened towards the back end of last year we didn't get to touch on last week. Um, Shannon, you got a new addition to the, to the house in terms of a new car. You'd waited all year for it. Um, you had oh, to, yeah, the Mazda. The, yeah, you nearly, they nearly didn't even give you the, 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 the colour you wanted and there was all sorts of dramas going on. So how's the, how's the new car been going? Yeah, good. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, Mazda MX-5 with a hard roof, uh, RF version, I think they call them. So, yeah, it was worth the wait. Yeah. And the colour, I'm glad I didn't have to change it because I love it. So. 
<laughs> so for all the for all the listeners, Shannon literally it, it got right to the last minute where they were basically saying like we're not doing this color anymore, and if you you know if your car doesn't get done, basically it's not happening. So it came right down to the wire, but. Thankfully for Shannon, he'd waited. What was it in the end? Six months, eight months? What was it you waited? I wish it was eight. It was like 10. <laughs> 10 months. And and I got down to, I got the confirmation five days before I had to make a colour change. So it was like the end of October or something like that. So, yeah. Well, I can confirm it's a very nice car. I've been in it and I'm a bigger guy. So I actually thought getting in this car, I'd, I'd probably f- not fit sort of, what width wise but actually it, my, it was my legs i was like Shit, i'm not actually a tall guy so we had to get the seat back a little bit further but no it was hey, it was a good car yeah, no, no tall people allowed no. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you got the roof that can go off so people can stick their head out the top <laughs> uh well mate i'm glad to i'm glad to hear that the the car's going well you certainly waited long enough for it so you're getting some enjoyment out of it now Another thing that we didn't get to touch on at the back end of last year was um, the Queensland Sports Awards. I think uh, from memory, was it, what was it, November, December? Do you remember when it was? Uh, yeah, it was late October. Late October, there you go. Uh, and Jody Henry got inducted as a legend into the Queensland Sport Hall of Fame. So, you know, obviously you got to go up there as well. And I think I saw Alice Mills there and bit yeah. of a reunion with everyone together. Congratulations on obviously, you know, your success with Jody, and then this is still going on all these years later. It must have been, um, you know, enjoyable for you to get up there and, and get to see. It, life's busy. We all know that. We don't get to see people as much as we'd like to. So must have been nice to catch up and have a good night and obviously uh, honour Jody. Yeah, no, it was great. And uh, Jody invited uh, Alice and myself as her special guests. Um, and, you know, she obviously, uh, you know, and as she spoke on that night, because they did an interview with her for about 20 minutes on stage, um, and she was the only one that was inducted into the legend status, so she's she was already in the Hall of Fame. And I think from memory she was like the 24th athlete to to be in it, which across all sports it's... Um, pretty prestigious uh group mm. and um yeah she's she spoke really well and uh you know alice her training partner for many years was a big part of joe's success as well and um she wanted the both both of us there and her family was all there and that as well so it was a good catch up with with gary janelle and uh kate and nicole so um that was a great night yeah really mm. good well, congratulations to Jody if she does listen to the podcast. I'm sure she's probably dabbled in a couple of episodes. She might not be an avid listener every week, but I'm sure there's been a few she's dabbled in. And did I see did I see when you got a photo with them? Did you get on the, a step to get up a little bit taller or something or what what was that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I certainly did because they had high heels. <laughs> so, um actually, Actually, Brant was just saying to me during the week, he said, no one could ever accuse you of having a tall squad in your career. Like, <laughs> and certainly at the moment I haven't got a tall squad. I think probably the tallest squad I've ever coached is um, the Danes, you know, uh, from a size point of view. But, um, but yeah, the girls, geez, they must have had like six, seven centimetres on those 
on those heels or something. So um, yeah, I was up on a on one step higher, no doubt. I don't blame you, mate. On Paul Dick these days, I've got 13-year-old girls and boys just towering over me. Just can't win. The kids are just – I think everyone's getting taller these days. That's what I'm noticing. There's some of my kids are bloody baby giraffes. Um, now, obviously, for everyone listening today, we're going to go through a few topics. We mentioned it, I think, last week, but we wanted to get into a bit of technology and swimming. Uh, what Shannon likes, what he doesn't like, whether that's in competition. We'll also go into some – sort of training aids as well and what, you know, what Shannon likes to use, what, <clears throat> pardon me, he doesn't use. Uh, so we're going to get into a bit of that today. We're also, as I said, going to touch on the national preparation and where everyone probably would be at at the moment and do's and don'ts and what you probably should try to look into or look away from. Uh, and then finally, uh, I want to get into what's Shannon's favourite pool to, to go to nationals. Obviously, we get to get around in Australia. You can go to Adelaide, Adelaide. Um, Gold Coast is this year. Chandler, we haven't been to Chandler for a while. Chandler, I love Chandler. Chandler's a great pool. Uh, Sydney, obviously Perth, uh, Melbourne. So, yeah, check in with uh, what Shannon could be surprised. I doubt very highly it'll be Sydney Olympic Park, that's for sure. Not many people say Sydney Olympic Park. Um, no offence to the Sydney Olympic Park people. Uh, all right, so let's get stuck into it, Shannon. Now, technology in swimming is obviously something that everyone's looking for an edge uh, everyone's looking for that little bit extra. Usually not so much at a junior level. At a junior level, you're probably still looking at the basics. You can add a little bit in here and there for a bit of variety and uh, a bit of stimulation for the kids to feel something, you know, look at something different. But uh, in terms of that upper echelon, which obviously, you know, you've worked at for many, many years now, and obviously a lot of the listeners uh, are coaching at that level where they've got, you know, a swimmer who might be second or third best in Australia trying to get on a team at trials whatever it might be, we're looking for that extra edge. Um, so, you know, in terms of technology in swimming, we'll start with training first, Shannon, because I think that's probably a little bit uh, easier to start with. Is there any sort of things that you look to technology-wise in training that you sort of swear by that you, you know, are religiously using throughout your preparations? Um. I, I'm probably not the best coach to be asking about technology because <laughs> I'm a bit of a dinosaur. Um, <laughs> the uh, just in general life, but um, I, I prefer to keep it simple. I think um, obviously a little bit of camera footage and stuff like that never goes astray. Uh, but you've got to be careful with uh, filming because filming's addictive, and um, you, you'll particularly see that with your breaststrokers. Uh, so you've got to watch out for that. Um, and I think it's more important to be able to feel what you're doing in the water than actually seeing what you're doing. So and in my experience, the best swimmers have that feel and they don't need to always see. And, uh, you know, a coach once said to me, how do, you, how do you get them to be able to feel, um, get better at that? I said, well, certainly don't keep filming them because that's not going to help their field they're just going to keep trying to see it so so a little bit of that but from a aid swimming aid point of view we don't use a lot of equipment i'm not a big fan of fins uh as my swimmers will testify um you know i think you i think a lot of uh, people are taking away from their stroke and um yeah, you know, potentially could be 
pulling back from from even feel for the water when mm. when they're swimming with fins on for too much. So um, I think you've got to be careful with that, and I don't think enough people are. Mm. Um, certainly don't mind fin swimming for a technical aid. Yep. So so to improve technique, but you know, do really good swimmers need to be swimming with fins in the water in warm ups? The answer is N O. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, when you really think about it, it's yeah. just completely ridiculous that uh, some of the best swimmers in the world are putting fins on their feet just to swim easy up and down, down the pool. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say to you on a deep dive into that sort of obviously topic of conversation. So you mentioned, obviously, there's a time and a place for it that you don't mind it. It's not necessarily that you sort of rely on it, but you don't mind it. What's the time and the place where you would say it's it's useful and you you're not you don't mind that it sort of gets used within your squad, and what are sort of the areas that you see it? We touched on obviously warm up uh, at competition, but what are some of the areas that you see it getting used in training? And you think, oh, what for? We don't. It's not really needed. And as you said, it's sort of taking away from whether it's the feel or the you know maybe even technical aspect. Yeah, well, yeah, with that feel thing, if, if they're getting overly propulsive from the legs, um, that's there has to be a trade-off from that, you know. And swimming's a, a pulling stroke, you know. Uh, most of, you know, apart from breaststroke, but the other three strokes, all your speed comes from your upper body and your pull pattern, you know, and the, the kick is there to support, blah, 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 without getting too deep into that, but... You know, if they're swimming along and they're kicking and, you know, like whenever we do a technical thing with fins over the years, we add small paddles just to balance it up. Uh, we'll be d doing it freestyle if we're working on stroke or core, you know, I'll, I'll do half, at least half of it with a snorkel on um, so they can just concentrate. Um but yes, you know. So, but if they're just jumping in during the first eight hundred meters and they they've got their fins on, what? Well, how's that helping? Is it being positive for the uh, technically, or is it being negative, or is it allowing them to switch off more? Probably that. Um, you know, if you're so concerned about that they can't swim eight hundred meters without a pair of fins. Only give them 500 metres without things, you know. So, um, but, you know, I can't – Brant Best and I were talking about it a couple of days ago and, and Drew and we're trying to work out when they all – when it all sort of came in, you know, and I think it – definitely think it was sort of post – in a big way, post-London. And, you know, at the end of the day, some fin manufacturer probably sponsored some swimmer and then – <laughs> they they started wearing it and then it became a fad. Big shout out to DMC Fins, who are a big uh, sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, you know they are. Can't you see my DMC Fins above my head? They are. But I, no. I always wondered what that one was. <laughs> oh, that's gold. That's some of your best you work. Tell I've never bought fins. That's some of your best work. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. 
DMC fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck, and there's a pair of DMC fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code OFF THE BLOCKS for a 10% discount at checkout. Um, <laughs> well, in terms of obviously, so I'm just thinking out loud in terms, so I'll, I'll sort of give away when I use fins, we'll use it in skill areas um, at times, not always, and I don't... I don't um, rely on them in the skill areas but we'll use it in our skill underwater work uh i'll use it a little bit in our speed training at times um is that sort of stuff would you say okay i mean it's horses for courses in many ways to skin a cat but in terms of your sort of thoughts and philosophies is that sort of taking away from as you said the feel of of what they're doing um yeah, see, look, here's a – I remember when I was dabbling in overspeed with, with fins, um, and we'd go 50 push, and uh, and we have small paddles, fins, and Alice was great at it. Like, yeah, she'd go you 22-something, know, 23 low. Jody doing the same thing. Well, I don't even think she cracked 26, you know, like – Putting fins on Joe just just stuffed everything up. So, you know, swimming the same event, both females, completely different um, response. So it is horses for courses. Um, you know, fin sidekick uh, I would do um, and trying to, you know, recruit a, a bit more from the glutes and stuff like that. Um, dolphin on back sometimes with you know with uh, some breaststrokers because you know they can't do anything but breaststroke kick. Um, but you know, dolphin on back for a really good butterfly kicker. Well, you're just doing two completely different things, even though everyone's doing the same thing. So, so you know, you, you've just got to be mindful of of what you what you're asking and what you're doing, and you know. It, just when you were asking the question, then I remembered um, when I was doing a lot of work with Damien Farrow at the AIS and Skill Act, and um, he he was questioning me why we even did drill. He said we would never do that in in, in tennis, you know, because you're breaking the rhythm of the, of the you know whatever the backhand forehand that you're doing. And we had a big discussion about you know, why drill and this sort of thing. And in the end, he could see some um, reasons, but he, you know, he also said you've you got to be careful with drills with how much you're breaking down that stroke and you're changing the dynamics of, of that stroke and, and the rhythm. So, you know. You got to you got to think the same with, with when you're putting fins on. How much of the stroke dynamics are, are you changing? You know, mm. and particularly if you're a freestyler, like you put a pair of fins on a breaststroker, who gives a damn? They're a breaststroker. <laughs> you, you don't want to be changing so, something on your number one stroke. So, 
Yeah, no, mate, I love it. And um, as a, as I'm just sort of listening to that, I'm just thinking in terms of why we even started the podcast and for everyone to listen and to sort of get a, a bit of an insight into, um, you know, some of the thoughts. And you know, this is sort of the stuff that if Shannon and I caught up for coffee or a couple of Jack Daniels or something that we, we not that we don't have other things to talk about, we do, but that's the sort of stuff that does come up in topic of conversations. And as you said, talking to Brant and you're talking to other people about it. So I, I'm, I, I'm always um, excited to give people access to that sort of way of thinking because there's a lot of people I had a DM the other day from someone, great to see you back from uh, over in, I think he's in England that he's coaching. Um, Sorry, I forgot his handle, so apologies, my friend. He'll know who he is. But, yeah, I, I, I like the fact that a lot of people get to listen to this and get to sort of take in what they like and what they don't like. In terms of um, what, what about sort of bungee cords and stuff like that, parachutes, resistance sort of aids? Yeah, I've never never been one for assisted sprints with a bungee cord or anything. Um, I've Dabbled a little bit in resistance. Um, I, yeah, years ago, you know, we were using the sponges and stuff like that. Um, I'm now using a net as, as our drag. Um, and the net, it's, it's probably the same or maybe even a fraction easier than a, than the sponges that we used years ago. Um, and that's just to put a little bit of tension on the on the you know on the stroke um but again you know the assisted stuff i'm not a big fan of um and i remember in you know uh reading some stuff on athletics when i was looking at athletics um uh, you know back in the 90s and charlie francis they didn't do anything with assist assisted sprinting either and, and the sport had been dabbling in that. Um, and that was all to do with uh, changing stride length and pattern, patterning, and he didn't want any of that going on. Um, so I'm probably a bit mindful of the same sort of thing. Um, uh, other tools that we use. So, like, I'm just, just talking out of sort of seeing stuff, like power racks. Stuff like that, you see that around a lot. What are your thoughts yeah. on that sort of stuff? No, nah, don't like power racks. I'm, I'm pretty boring, aren't I? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, well, it's interesting because you've got reasons behind it. It's not like you just, this old guy standing there going, nah, I don't like it. Why? I, I just don't yeah, like nah. it. Like, you've got thoughts and reasons behind it. Oh, yeah. And look, you know, we had three power racks at the AOS. You know, um, Americans use them. Oh, it's not that I haven't used that stuff. I've just used it and then has, haven't seen good things out of it, so I've decided not to use them. So pretty self-sufficient in that sense. Um, and uh, so certainly certainly something that you don't need, you know. Um, and just trying to think. What else? Yeah, not big paddles, only small paddles. Um, you know, like I've got a girl at the moment, you know, talking about fins, she can't wear fins because her ankles are so fle flexible, you know, uh, okay. creates an injury with her. Yeah. Uh, and I remember Blinda Hocking, like her ankles were really flexible. She wasn't even allowed to wear um, 
sandals, let alone, you know. So she had to wear shoes because uh, just to give her a bit more ankle support, you know. So that's probably something to keep in mind with the fins and the added stress in, on, on some of those um, ankles. Having said that, if you've got tight, tight ankles, the fins might be all right. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, yeah, not, not a lot. You know, pool boy, band, um, kickboard. We don't even really use kickboards anymore. Um, so. Uh, Is that because there's too much talking going on once the boards come out? Yeah. Well, I just think with, with my breaststrokers, I don't use, I haven't used kickboards with my breaststrokers since I was in Denmark. So, um, that's, you know, it's a decade now. So, what um, are they doing? Just kicking on their back or head down, heels to hands? Nah, just arms out in front. Okay. Um, and, um, do you find they, they do, nah, they do a lot of, not okay. nah, not allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, I remember with Rega when um, I was watching her when I first started coaching her and um, I was telling Chris Nesbitt this story, I think, uh, the other day. Um, anyway, and I congratulated her on her hands not moving at all. And she said to me, yes, Shannon, and I'm the only one that does it like that. <laughs> it, it was a badge of honour for her, yeah. you know. Yeah. And... Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty strict on that. And well, when I say pretty, let's let's say how, say it how it is. I am very strict on that. <laughs> so um, yeah, no movement. And um, yeah, I I think you know uh, when you're on a board and you're doing breaststroke kick, it changes the angle of the kick, and so you don't want that. Interesting. I like it. Um, if we're going to segue to competition and, and racing, and obviously, you know, you've been in the sport now for a while, so you've seen technology things come in, come, you know, obviously, some like you obviously went through the race suits and all sorts of things that have helped swimmers get a little bit quicker. Certain, you know, obviously, um, so certain events haven't got that much quicker. It just sort of depends. You look at the backstroke ledges coming in and, Obviously, the kicker on the like a lot of sort of things have come into into the sport competition wise. Is there something that you've seen come into the sport that you are a fan of? Um, Obviously, not the super suit era. That sort of nah. Um, oh. Probably lane ropes at some point, yeah, better lane ropes. But like, I think the problem with swimming really is um, it just wants it to keep getting faster. You know, it, it sells world records, and I don't like that. Um, I think swimming's got a great history, and it doesn't need to be constantly trying to make everyone falsely swim faster. Um, you know, and I think by constantly changing uh the playing field so to speak um with blocks and lane ropes and you know i i think it's good to a point that things have got a little bit better so let's just say the lane ropes but you know um what are we going to have three lane ropes I, I know ncaa's do things like that and but you know like 
where where are we going with this are we going to be allowing running dives in the future um so and yeah wouldn't it be great to be able to compare eras you know um yeah you know, i always think you know christina regazeggi like how good was she i mean you know she had that world record for about 12 years or so uh the turn it back and then the super suit era broke it and um yeah, what a shame that was. Mm. And, um, yeah, I can remember I was showing someone the other day, you know, she went 209 with touch turns and she was up swimming by the flags, you know, um, and she was swimming 209. That's how good a backstroker, you know, she was. I don't even think she had a cap on. So um, probably in my era, actually, here I'm showing my age, goggles. <laughs> Yeah, when yeah. I started training when I was swimming, you didn't you didn't train with goggles. <laughs> so that's probably the best invention. There you go. Um but um, the only one I ever remember as I was growing up that it was never was Penny Haynes. I just remember watching swimming in terms of competition and stuff and, and the great South African uh, breaststroker Penny Haynes. She never raced in goggles. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um yeah, and then I think so. It'd be just nice if swimming just left it alone, but it just constantly, yeah. You know, I mean, what about that butterfly rule where you can't be submerged when you touch the wall? I mean, they're just coming up with rules for, you know, just making things harder unnecessarily in that rural um, area. Um, so that's, you know, you shake your head every time those sorts of things come out. Um, and yeah, I think swimming is one of the sports where you, you could compare eras to eras and, um, it's almost impossible to do that now because of the amount of changes that have gone on. Um, so. Do you so, think yeah. from, from an Australian perspective, Shannon, that sort of, and, and you're perfect to ask this too, cause you, you were there through that golden era. Because of the golden era of swimming here in Australia where Ray Warren, everyone knows I love Ray, you just listen to our intros and you've got Ray all over them. Um, you've got Ray commentating, you've got, you know, Thorpe and Hackett and every, nearly every swim was a world record just because and it was sort of the height of, of swimming here in Australia. Um, certainly that's what I grew up through anyway. Do you think because we look at that, uh, from a public perspective, and we remember that, that anything less than that at the moment isn't as successful, if that makes sense. So if we're not breaking world records, if we're not setting the pool on fire, if we're not, you know, mowing people down and, and as I said, you know, knocking off world records, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure at World Champs there was quite a few short course world records knocked off. So, yeah. so it's not that there's just, people aren't swimming fast, but... Do you think that plays a little bit of a part in terms of like, you know, as you're saying, like we always want to be faster. We want to be, where's the world records at? I know from an Australian perspective, I think I always look back to that. It's like there was nearly not a, a meet, even a, even a trials where there wasn't someone breaking a world record. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember the stats, but they wouldn't have been anything like in 09. In 09, I think this statistic was one every three days in 2009. Yeah. I mean, I can remember it got to the point where you knew there was going to be world records and you just left. Now, 
once upon a time, if you thought there was a chance of a world record, you would stay. Yeah. Um, I can remember my first world record I ever saw live was at the 87 Pan Packs, um, and it was Tom Yeager in the 53. And also at that meet, um, Dave Wharton, who was, I don't know if he was fully deaf or deaf or 95% deaf or something like that, but um, he broke the world record in the 400 IM. It might have even been Alex Bowman's world record. Um, but, you know, that that had a huge, in, in, you know, uh, place in, in, in my life of, of swimming It's to see two world records at one meet live. So now if you're at a meet when there's nine world records, mm. Like, or or four or five in the one, you know what I mean? Like, it just becomes, oh, yeah, you know, where it's not it's not that special uh, occasion. And, you know, I just think it's a dangerous rabbit hole to go down for a sport if, if that's what he's trying to sell. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, if you look at athletics, if anyone follows athletics, they've really tried to go away from that and tried to um, do the matchups and and talk about you know the race itself and the matchup between X and Y, mm. and I think that's a much better place to be for a, for a sport, um, and I think then you can really use your history and and and. Uh, um, yeah, I don't. I don't want to go into the whole drug thing, but yeah. you know, I just think if you're celebrating the the matchup between two or three people, which which swimming has had great matchups mm-hmm. um, through any decade you'd like to talk about, that's a much better thing to to, to be um, emphasising rather than how fast someone's swimming and whether it's a good meet or not on, based on how many world records. Yeah. So you, uh, you would have to think. You know, FINA are, are trying to sell the sport through world records to their, you know, sponsors and stuff. But yeah, or World Aquatics now is that what it's called? World Aquatics. I don't yeah. think it's called FINA anymore. Um, I only know that from Instagram, to be honest, because they they changed they changed the name at the top. Which is how it's World Aquatics. <laughs> but no, I agree with you. Um, and you even look at obviously you and I love rugby league. You look at the biggest matchups when you're watching each week, and a lot of them are rivalries of teams that don't like each other, or also they write up in the papers. But there's always something, you know. So storyline driven sort of things, as you said, like oh, you know, um, what? Why did we love the 400 free uh, in Tokyo? Because it was Ariane yeah. versus Katie Ledecky, and we knew it, it was on. You know, it's coming down yeah. to those two, and. Um, you know, you can. It did, that didn't matter about the time, did it? No, no, no. You know, no. matchups in any sport. You know, whether it be tennis, boxing, running, football. You know, that it, it, it will always trump um, time. And you know, I remember saying to you know that era of swimmers I had back at Chandler. You know, time over time becomes irrelevant. You know, and it's winning that matters, um, and um, it's, it's performing, and they're the things that you'll remember. You know, because in, you know, Dawn Fraser, three 
three gold medals. Well, no one goes, oh, she only went 59. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, yeah, she's a legend because of what she, what she won, not how fast she swam. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, I agree more. You know, I think um, as this, we're just going back to when I said, you know, all those world records in terms of through the early 2000s. And if you look at that, though, in terms of what you just mentioned, they were all great matchups. It was Thorpe and Hackett pushing each other at trials, or it was it was Jody and Libby and Alice and, you know, everyone pushing each other at, at you know, trial yeah. events, or as Patria and, and Susie, you know, pushing yeah. each other. And so, yeah, as you, to your point, there, there was always matchups. And in terms of obviously then they propelled themselves to to achieving bigger success, but that was only because they were being driven by who they were next to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's obviously the the, the matchup, and then if there's a world record that comes from the matchup, then great. But it should be the bonus. It shouldn't be the thing that they're, you know, emphasising. Mm. Well, in terms of swimming in Australia, I think there's some great matchups coming up over the next few years because you've got a lot of obviously. Um, you know, people who are, who have been on the Australian team for quite a few years now and they're still, well, you know, earning their right to be on the team, but you've got a lot of young juniors coming up who are doing really well as well. So I think you're about to see some great matchups just even domestically here over the next few years because we've got people pushing up to get in the team and you've got people who are probably getting a little bit older, still good enough to be there, but they're certainly it's not as easy to make the team as it once was. So... Swimming Australia, if you do listen to the podcast, Shannon's giving you the tip there. There you go. That's how you promote your uh, your Australian champs and your trials. It's all about the matchups. Uh, and I couldn't agree more with you, Shannon. Absolutely. In terms of nationals, we spoke about it before. We've got nationals coming up, national age on the Gold Coast. Uh, starts on the 7th of April. Uh, goes for, I think, 10 days or so. Start with the multi-class um, athletes. And then obviously we've got um, the Australian champs uh, the week after that on the Gold Coast. W what advice, where, where would you be at at the moment? I mean, you don't need to give too much away about what you're doing behind the scenes, but if you're a coach listening to the podcast and you're interested to sort of get a bit of feedback, we don't all have someone coming on pool deck and giving you information and giving you feedback about your program um which is another reason why i like this podcast because people might listen and go oh okay that makes sense and they can get a bit of feedback um where would coaches be looking to be at at this stage what are we probably eight weeks away now or, or so depending on what you know if you're going for age or if you're going for open nationals yeah. um as we said we're not landing the plane we're up in the air but we're about to start taking the cups and with, and the food away and let people know that we're, we might be coming in for landing soon. What would you be at at the moment if you were uh, a coach out there? You are a coach, but you know what I mean. You know, I don't want you to sort of give too much away about what you're doing. What would coaches be looking at at the moment? Yeah, well, I think you've got to, you know, you're in that window from a week's point of view of, of you need to start, you need to be working, Um Certainly, you may not have peaked in your work this far out, but you're certainly climbing the mountain and you can see the, you know, the top and you're wanting to be able to be putting some good work in, in the bank. Um, I spoke to my guys two days ago about that. Um, 
and not leaving every, try, leaving everything to the last minute and not just in the pool but also how they're managing themselves around the pool um, with their, you know, with, are they, with their um, booking in their physio or massage or, or things like that, you know, diet-wise, you know, they've got some heavy training coming up. Are they looking after that area? Uh, I'm trying to get them to be proactive uh, in their in managing themselves out of the water. Um, and, you know, my group's quite young in that sense um, and uh, they're sort of coming out, they're just coming out of age group swimming. Um, so I'm trying to get them to become, start thinking about those sorts of things in their time management and not trying to, you know, do it all at the last minute, you know. So... Um, uh, so I think, you know, you're starting to work harder, but you've also got to be starting to manage yourself harder as well, you know. Um, so from from that side of things, because there's no point working any harder if, if you're not ready to go hard, if you're not recovering well, um, if you're not hydrating well, things like that. So, In terms of obviously the training phase of where we're at, you said we're, we're going harder. Is that more... Uh, in terms of power training at this stage? Are we still working, obviously, capacities in and around that? I remember you yeah. telling me once that anaerobic power sort of needs to be sort of left on its own and not try to play around with too many other systems in and around that. I think it was you that told me that, if you're training anaerobic power specifically. But, like, in terms of the phases of where you, where we're at and sort of systems where we're working at yeah. the moment, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, so like we, yeah, as I said, we did a five week block of, of, um, yeah, that sort of polar type short speed and long and, uh, long aerobic. And this sort of, we're in, into three week blocks now. And, and I'd say we're in this transition phase. So we're starting to do some 50 meter efforts. Um, this phase, yeah, where I'm trying to link. The last phase and the one we're about to do, which will be after this three-week period, um, so that you're not going from you know black to white. You're trying to find a couple of grey levels, and you're you're trying to step them into that that sort of top work that you you want um, from a volume point of view or intensity point of view. Um, so. That, that's I just call it a transition type phase. So, mm. no, well, it's all, it's all good stuff. As I said, for the coaches listening out there, some people might be doing things differently. Doesn't mean you're right, you're wrong. Doesn't mean Shannon's right is wrong. I'm sure. Out of how, how many athletes you're coaching at the moment? Uh, eleven. Eleven. So I'm assuming mm. out of eleven, they're not all going to go on to win gold medals and. So some, some it works with, some it doesn't. So we're not saying on here this is the way it is. It's just, as I said, giving a bit of advice. And for people that might not get that, they might not get access to it, can be a lonely place sometimes being a head coach, just standing around sort of thinking, wait a second, is this right or is this wrong? Waiting for that day, whether you land your plane or you don't. Um, so, no, I like it, mate. I like it a lot. Um, in terms of the next phase, so you said you're in, you've got three-week blocks at the moment. How far away are you from sort of getting into the, the next phase and how far away? So obviously for Taper, we talked about many times uh, that two week, two weeks, maybe three, depending. 
Um, so yeah. we're not that far away. So uh, transitioning into, but you're about to go into that sort of last phase, competition phase, I guess they call it. Yes, we'll swim at New South Wales Open. Um, we'll we'll be in a heavy period there of yeah you know, six six weeks, and then my open guys who who go to Southport, I'm not going to taper them for that meet. Um, they age groupers. There's only two or three of them going. I'll, I'll taper them because that, that for them will be their big meet for the year. But but we'll um, we're getting ready for uh, the June meet, the trials. Not that I think that my guys are going to, you know, step up and make teams and things like that. It'd be nice if they did, but, um, yeah, I just think from a program point of view, that's what we, we, we're aiming for, to try and get people on teams. And um, so that's our meet um, for the year. If I had my way, you know, nationals and trials would be the one meet. Mm. But uh, anyway... For whatever reasons, they're two different meets. So um, everyone has to, you know, reach down into their pocket and spend a bit more money. But uh, <laughs> Well, especially, um, especially since you're talking about money, Swimming Australia, could we have nationals not on the Easter long weekend where flights uh, and accommodation are double yeah. the price for everybody? Yeah. Like it, it is just. I mean, you, you, you got me started now, Shannon. You start. You said it, but like, yeah, a week later, a podcast, I'm sure logistically there's a reason behind it all. I get it. Like we're not in the inner sanctum of the planning. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. I understand, but swimming Australia, please have a look at it. It's Easter long weekend, so all the coaches are expected to have time away from their family on holidays, which are you know normal public holidays. Um, and outside of that, everyone's expected to pay double the price. If you don't believe me, have a look at flights right now to go to the Gold Coast on that weekend. They're, uh, they're crazy, crazy prices. So, again, if Swimming Australia do listen to the podcast, Shannon, we're giving them just a few tips here. We're happy to they're sit in on game. a Zoom meeting. Maybe only one, though. We're very busy. We can't be, we can't be caught up on too many Zoom meetings. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, my goodness. But, no, I agree with you. I think they used to do that for many, many years, and, it seemed to seem to be successful. So, yeah, it's. It, I think we, we we do need to keep an eye on on the cost of the sport because, um, you know, I, I keep saying and nothing's really changed my mind. You know, I think we're a middle class sport, and and um, we've got to make sure that you know the we're keeping an eye on on the cost of the sport. You know, because we don't want to to become out of reach for uh, for people. So, mm. um, Well, the Gold Coast is a great place. place. Yeah, the Gold Coast is a great place. And any other time of the year, you could get flights, 80 bucks up there, accommodations mm. fairly reasonable, and it's just literally the time that they've put it on is school holiday time where where does every New South Wales family go when it's holiday time, usually to the Gold Coast. So it's just yeah. crazy times. Yeah, no, it's it's um, yeah, like I said, it's something that you've got to be mindful of because, um, you know, not everyone's got a category one athlete, and uh, you know, so um, so yeah, so and well, the cost of living, like, isn't it? Everything else is going up. Um, 
I think we we just got our insurance for our house bill. I think it's gone up four hundred bucks. Oof. Oh, yeah. Oof. <laughs> no, it's definitely everything. I mean, um, I loved Bustleton. We went to Bustleton for Open Water Nationals a few weeks ago. Uh, it was great over there. It was a gorgeous spot, and the town was lovely and great. Some great breweries and wineries around, and all that sort of stuff. But I know a lot of people didn't go just because of the cost of of the travel to get over there. Like it sort of just sort of priced them out and they thought, well, I'd love to go to nationals, but unfortunately I didn't want to take out a loan to have to go over there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something I've got that, a swimmer who's not going to nationals because, um, of, of cost, you know, mm. and I, we sat down and we spoke about it and really at the end of the day, you know, you've got New South Wales open. So the swimmer can just drive to that. Um, and we're targeting the June meet. And I said, look, whether you go to the Nationals or you don't, it's not going to affect your swimming performance. So, you know, and I actually said to him, you know, you could take some of that money that you were going to, you know, stretch yourself mm. and actually just in, reinvest it back in yourself uh, to improve you know, whether that be, you know, a nutrition or uh, uh, three three or four physio sessions or yeah. massage, you know, um, rather than forking out and giving Qantas or Virgin, you know, and then someone else, you know, and you end up with $1,500 out of your pocket or something, that can go a long way to making you, you know, working on the process of becoming a better swimmer um especially if you've got areas to work on and if you if you go to that meet oh i can't get a physio i can't get massage because i can't afford it well just stop and think for a sec yeah no absolutely just food for thought and yeah for everyone listening like obviously we love the national program and we love you know i love going to nationals but it's more just about as we talked about cost and where it's placed and how often you've got to be traveling around and i think we can be putting a bit more thought into that behind the scenes but that's just me. In terms of nationals, what, what's your favourite place to go to for nationals? In terms of pool, we'll talk not so much town, like um, state yeah. and, and city, but in terms of the pool, do you have a favourite pool you like to go to? It'd be hard to split. I've got two pools. It's funny you mentioned one of them at the start. <laughs> My two favourite national pools are... Chandler and Sydney Olympic. Okay. So you are one of the people who likes Sydney Olympic Park. Maybe it's just because <laughs> I go have to go there nearly every second weekend that I'm just kind of not fussed by it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think they're the two best places. Um, I don't think – I don't know why we're at an outdoor pool um, in this day and age. So, yeah, can't see why you'd want to be in an outdoor pool for a national champs if you didn't have to. Um yeah, so they're my my best uh, two favorite locations. Probably because they've got good memories at both. You know. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is it sort of memories? Because I know, like, one of my favorite, and you're probably going to, I don't know if you, <laughs> one of my favorite places to bring a, a squad is to the AIS to race down in Canberra because every time I've t took a team down there, they've all done really well. We've had a great weekend, and we always leave happy and smiling and and legitimately i've never really had a bad experience in terms of results mm. whether that's just because it's a trip away whether it's a really fast pull whether it's 
it's always run really really well so i always enjoy going there for that is that it's chandler obviously because of the memories is it sydney because of the memories but also like do you have great results there is it a little bit thought about that or is it more than memories yeah i think it's the, the, the memories results yeah you know, there's no doubt i would have had bad results at both those locations yeah but, you know sydney olympic park it it was the olympics you know it's an olympic venue mm. how often do you yeah people probably forget that you know um always just felt a sense of occasion when we were there and like you say you're always there so you probably that's watered all down mm. um brisbane it, brisbane's a fast pool it's a good pool um so I, I i know that some people don't like it because it's dark or you know for tv and things like that but you know those things don't really enter my mind when you know i'm there for a, a meet it's just about the swimming you know mm. so well, it's not hard just get some more lights how hard yeah. is that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just head down to bunnings or where just get some more lights it's not hard yeah. Uh, yeah, I love Chandler. I'm, I'm a big fan of Chandler as well. And yeah, like nothing against Sydney Olympic Park, but for me, we're always there. I've got eight year olds now that go and race there and stuff. And I remember like when I was coming up as a swimmer, you only got to go to Homebush for big events when you were older. It wasn't just something that was, so you kind of felt like, oh, like I've, I've arrived now. I get to go to there where now the eight year olds diving in for a 53 and it's probably big for them at eight, but by the time they're thirteen, they don't. Yeah, they walk in like it's they're just going to their local pool now. Like it's not, it's not a special. But um, anyway, it's a story for another day. Um, mate, I think that's about all. How's how's your how's your uh, dinner going? Uh, yeah, it's not burnt, so that's good. Um, <laughs> all ready to go. So I've just made you know the sauce and the um, it's meatballs. We're having meatballs, so. I'll do the pasta when I come home from work tonight. So, do you have any special sort of Shannon secret recipes? Is this just very standard? Do you have any extra sort of spice or sauce, or do you have a bit of? Is there uh, anything uh, unique to you, or you just keep it simple? Uh, pretty simple. Um, it'd be all the normal stuff, you know, some parsley and a few herbs. But probably the only thing would be a tablespoon of balsamic, balsamic vinegar. Oh, that's your, that's your secret. There you go. There you go. Well, we're cooking with Shannon. We're going to keep this. We're going to keep this segment going as well. It won't be a very long segment, I tell you. It's that <laughs> and eggs on toast. What about barbecue? You, you'd seem like oh, a guy yeah. who'd love a barbie. Yeah, yeah. I got the Weber. Yeah, so I'll do a steak on the Weber. We'll talk meats. We'll talk. You want to hear a funny story? One yeah, Christmas. So we were doing a tadakan. Do you know what that is? No idea. It's, it's like a duck with um, uh, infused and wrapped all up with turkey and stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, it was pretty early on when I first got the Weber. And um, I like the Weber because it's not an exact science, you know, you've got to work it out and all that sort of stuff. Elizabeth's always into me about it, you know, like it's always different. I scare. that's what I love about it. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm always defending the Weber. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, this one, one, uh, we're on the back deck, and it's just a low deck area. There's a garden near it, mm. and uh, you know, with in between the deck and the garden, there's just a sort of twelve, you know, it's about a meter wide path, 
Anyway, I can't get enough heat into this bloody thing for this to duck in. It was Christmas. And I thought, I'm going to have to take it out. And I have to get more coal in there to get more heat in there because it dropped down to like 160 or something like that. And I needed it up around 200. Well, so I've got the, the big gloves so I can, you know, take it out. It's on, it's all on, um, on this tray. And I should have just bloody grabbed the thing, but I, I took the whole tray out, you know, the, the grill bit and it's on the, it's in, in a tray on the grill. Well, you know what happened next, don't you? <laughs> this this Tadakan's gone flying off the grill <laughs> and over the path and into the garden. <laughs> and we just put down all these like bark chips and stuff. Yeah. All the little ones. Oh, it was like I'd crumbed the darn thing. I've looked up thinking, shit, where's the hose? And has Elspeth seen me? <laughs> And she saw me. They but always see. That. Anyway, I hosed the damn thing down. Yeah. Put one tile in, put it all back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I uh, love that. I that love happened that. about, oh, that would have to have happened 15 years ago. Every Christmas that story comes up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that because it's true because I'm just replaying sort of stuff that happens here at home and yeah my wife always sees always something drops on the floor you think oh she didn't see because you know, i don't care i'll just always sees and it's usually when i'm cooking something for my daughter or just something quick because i'm not very good in the kitchen but if something drops i just think oh five second rule grab it but always the eyes are there no i think oh <laughs> so yeah no i'm i'm glad you stuck to your guns though and you hosed it off and <laughs> you you were not going to be denied this is going to happen <laughs> i was determined i had a goal <laughs> <laughs> oh that's gold well there you go people we've sent you off with a with a, a great story uh to finish the podcast um, yeah, thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, hopefully, yeah, as we said through this, you've, you've picked up some, some tips and some things that you like, some things that you might not like, made you think about certain things, certainly not how to, how to cook a duck or whatever it was that it said, but you know, did it end up all right though? Just long story short, was it okay? Well, I thought it was. <laughs> That's, oh, that does not sound like everyone else did. Um, <laughs> maybe, the, maybe it was the hosing that turned people off. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Hopefully, we've we've you know given you a bit of information to walk away from. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to chat about next week, Shannon. I'm not going to lie to you, but I, I've certainly got um, a few subjects that we want to topics that I want to cover. Um, so definitely make sure you stick around for that next week. Could be. Commonwealth Games, finally, we're going to get to that, 2002 Commonwealth Games. It is going to happen. Um, I've actually got a, a stat man who sent us through a whole heap of stats about that, didn't he? Oh, Dave, yeah. Dave, yeah, he sent us an email with a whole heap of stats to cover that. So we've definitely got a – Dave did a great job with all that sort of stuff. It was, it was very lengthy and uh, and um, detailed. So I, I definitely want to do it justice and get to that as well. And we've got a few other topics to cover. So definitely stick around. Thank you all for joining us once again. And until next week, thank you very much. Thanks, Robbie. See you, everyone. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. 
Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming, in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you.